Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder, Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe. Join the community as well. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Uh, Rob, a few games left of the United season. Uh, it's just petering out in a sense, isn't it? But, you know, how many how many games we got left? Three. Brighton away on Saturday evening. And United look to be limping towards sixth place. So uh, how are you doing? Not too bad. I obviously uh, did a little bit of work and watched the uh, Europa League matches uh, in the last few days and thought, oh, that's us next year, maybe. So uh, that was very, very exciting. But yes, you're right. Limping towards the finish line, I think is the correct way to describe it. And kind of just the countdown to Ten Hag, because I think this is where we are now. It feels like the transfer window that's about to come upon us here is going to be a bigger event than Manchester United's football season. So that's a, a strange one, but actually... It usually not. is, though, isn't it? As I was about to say, it's become more of the norm, isn't it? That the, the fact that Man United might go out and sign some players becomes more exciting than the players who actually perform on a football pitch. So we'll talk about some of that today, but I think overall, um, it's kind of a damp squid to the end end of the season. you just kind of got to get on with it, get these games out of the way. Hopefully, I want to see one or two players get a chance. I hope Ralph does that. But, you know, six, does that make you excited, Scott? Seventh, not really. Do you, know, do you know what? You look at the Europa League final and look at the Conference League final. The Conference League final is actually higher quality. Totally. Yeah, like, this is the, the, the conference. I want to be in the Conference League. The Conference League seems to be for the best failures. Yes. So, like, the, the, the biggest clubs that have really failed you guys have got something to do. That's kind of what it feels like. The Europa League seems to be those teams that are maybe pushing perennially fifth, sixth, you know, doing it every season or maybe performing above their standards. So, you know, look at this Rangers in the final of the Europa League. You know, it's kind of like, are they really in the second tier? <laughs> the top, is that, is that, the, is this a standard now? No offense to Rangers fans. I, and track Frankfurt as well. I know they've had a great run, but they're 11th in, in the Bundesliga. And that tells you everything you need to know about these competitions. So, yes, they are the mid table European major cups. Um, and that's why I don't get too excited about them. We'll see which competition United end up in. I think West Ham look like they're running out of steam. So, whether they'll be able to beat United to sixth place with the games that they've got left remains to be seen. But I think United needs four points really from the last three games to probably make sure of it, given you don't expect West Ham to win the rest of this. Uh, but yeah, on today's show, we will talk a little bit about the Brighton game towards the end of the show. We'll talk about Edison Cavani's comments on signing a contract extension and the relation to Ronaldo that it has. Uh, they've uh, emerged from ESPN Brazil in the last few hours or 24 hours or so. We will talk about uh, 
players wanted to leave because we know there's a lot of them. Uh, Eric Bailly, Jesse Lingard and Phil Jones have this week apparently given notice about wanting to leave, even though Eric Ten Hag is going to take over pretty soon. And we'll also do a bit on the new kit leak, which Rob and I might butt heads over a little bit. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe, should we start there, Rob? Uh, just we'll, we'll go there in a second. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and at MU for the show. So give them a follow uh, and get in touch as well. And let us know whether you like the new kit. So, Rob, you put a poll out yesterday. Uh, for those who haven't seen, uh, you can. I'm sure it's readily available on Twitter. You can find it online or go to Rob's uh Twitter feed, he also put a vote underneath about whether do you like it or do you dislike it? I don't like it. Uh, But Rob, what do you think? Uh, I don't hate it. Put it that way. It's very 90s retro. It's got a collar. I understand as well that people kind of with kit design, they get they get kind of inaudibly kind of excited about it. It's like, you know, and a kit means something to people. Like this is the thing. Historically, you look at a shirt, don't you? And you, you kind of apply it to a time there's no surprise that last season's kit is pretty much in every bargain bin because no man united fan will want to associate themselves with that kit from the past 12 months but i think it's all right i think collars are okay you know i'm a bit older i don't know if that's what it is i like collars i just don't like this collar this is it so like you know i grew up in the era where Cantona flicked those collars up and it kind of meant something I don't know if that's going to happen at Man United. You know, if Luke Shaw flicks his collars up and we're all going to get excited. I'm not Bruno sure Fernandes. that's Bruno <laughs> or someone new, because obviously we're hoping for new heroes and new players in the next few months. So um, as a kit, I think it's OK. I think the poll was 60-40. So 40% liked it, 60% said no. But I think that's an internet thing as well. I think the weight is always towards negativity. So people who who don't like it will just say no. You said something off air, Scott, which I think is completely correct, is that let's just wait and see what the players look like in it. Because if you start winning in that kit, I guarantee you it becomes your favourite kit. Yeah, you know, with this season's kit, uh, I don't know how long we'll spend on kit chat, but it's it's quite interesting for me and for you. (laughs) Uh, So I hope you're enjoying this. Um, I looked at this season's kit. I didn't really like it straight away. And then I saw the players rock up in it in preseason and the rings on the socks were like, yeah. oh, that looks amazing. I really yeah. like that. But you, there's, yeah. there's another thing as well. I hate seasons where you have a nice kit and it's ruined by awful form. <laughs> uh, so at least with this one, you know, it's, it's not because I don't like it like straight off the bat. We'll see what it's like when the players do start wearing it. But well, yeah, two things. I, I get like... ruined by a bad season. Yeah, I like, you know, the black and white kit with the zigzags and it kind of it cut people yeah. in half. Some people loved it. Some people hate it. I loved it because I like my streetwear. It's kind of streetwear design. And then, of course, we went to we, we wore it in Paris, didn't we, in that game. So it became an instant classic, that kit. So I was like, fantastic. That that kind of ticks that box for me. But I, I do I do understand why people might look at that retro design and kind of go, oh, I want it to be modern. Do you remember when the gingham kit came out? In it was the, the Van Persie season, so when we won the title, the last season we won the championship, and it was the Gingham I didn't design. Like that one either, See, everyone hated the Gingham design, everyone hated it. I hated it. Everyone was like, What is this? And it was supposed to be a nod towards Manchester to Manchester's ma- uh, material factories of the of yesteryear of the industrial age of a, of a material that they used. 
But what happened? Van Persie came, we won the title, we played some really, really good football, and that kit is now remembered fondly. People look at that kit and go, oh, that was a nice kit. I remember that. Oh, Nike. Nike did us good kits, whereas I remember at the time people going, Nike's kits are awful, which is what you're getting now with the Adidas people. People going, oh, Adidas's offerings have been poor. I'm an Adidas person. I think I've got that there. But mm. I will say this. Don't think United's kits have been stellar since Adidas took over. It would be nice if they just knocked it out of the park with one design. That uh, Van Persie kit you mentioned there obviously is also a symbol of the last time United were successful. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it remembered more fondly than at the time that they were wearing it. But yeah, the kit should be released within the next couple of months. I think I think Liverpool this week already released theirs, which is kind of... yeah. I'm a I'm plain. I'm a plain guy. I, I quite like plain. Uh, yeah. Just uh, say what you want about that, but uh, that's that's kind of to my taste. Uh, Arsenal yeah. got some nice kits in the last. Well, few the years two teams well, that the two teams that always have good kits for whatever reason I don't understand why. Bayern Munich and Ajax. Bayern, They're two teams. Yes. So so they don't design their own kits. They have people design them for them, but they always seem to have an agenda about what their shirt needs to look like. Man United seem to kind of go back and forth and then there'll be some crazy design then there'll be a very plain design they never seem to be able to get it right and that dysfunction seems to match the team <laughs> rob how long is that poll open for uh, it's just for the rest of today so if you want to go in there but we, we, we can do other polls in the future on these things and it'll be quite interesting that when the official product gets launched how close it is because i think what we're finding that these leaks these leaks maybe you're a little bit deliberate now in this day and age. You know, we used to think that it, it would be a mistake from somewhere and they would take a picture of a, of a kit in a factory. Now people are getting kits laid out and they look like press, press releases and it's a leak. Um, I think the new kit is going to be very close to this in the sense that it will definitely have a collar and we'll see kind of what other bits and pieces it has. Not particularly interesting for me or you, Scott, but we talk about it because it's a Manchester United thing and the fans are definitely interested in these things. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll move on now. Get get in touch with Rob. Like if if you're if you're seeing this on Friday as we release this, <laughs> fill in the poll. I think the answer for no is um no, and the yeah. answer for yes is uh yes. I like the MUFC kit, uh, but I, I voted no, and I also voted on the show's account no as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, we've got a, a little bit of time left, but obviously that's gonna it's not gonna differ too much from that one. I think it's pretty. Pretty solid, and it looks like that will be the one for next season under Eric Ten Hag. But uh, let's move on to some players who are not going to be there in that kit next season. We've got a section on a few players, although maybe we'll throw Ronaldo in in the middle of it, and remains to be seen whether he will stay, even though we do expect him to. Edinson Cavani has uh, done an interview with ESPN Brazil, uh, speaking about his contract renewal last summer and how Cristiano Ronaldo followed or came in was signed by United pretty much a week after he agreed a new deal and he said I'm going to quote him here to be honest the moment it happened I thought it was good that United had signed Cristiano but knowing about the world of football today the first thing I did was call my brother an agent and say Fernando if this had happened a week ago I would have asked you to find me a new club that's not because I didn't want to play with Cristiano of course not I had the opportunity to meet him he's a great professional has scored a lot of goals that's perfect for a sportsman, but as I say, after years in football, I know things how things are these days. It was more about understanding the situation, not because I would lose my place in Manchester, because he calls it Manchester, but because, of course, there are a lot of things in football today that are different from how they were with other coaches, how it was before. Now, that seems to suggest, and this is kind of how I want to take this conversation, 
obviously everybody knew and like that Ronaldo Simon was massively out of the blue because it was United weren't planning for it. We knew that at the time. It's just that Ronaldo became available uh, and pulled the trigger when you you kind of saw that Man City were going to do it. Uh, United stepped in and made the signing. He scored twenty odd goals this season. But I know Ansi, you're going to give Rob, but Ronaldo signing was out of the blue. And this is the proof in a sense, isn't it? It's upset the apple cart. It's upset Cavani, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and it's easy to forget now that what Cavani's talking about, and he does allude to it there, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure. So what the club was doing, say, at the end of last season. So 12 months ago, what was the plan? How were Man United going to take the step forward? Second in the league, European final. How do you carry on that trajectory? Because what we do know is that Man United went way off the edge of the cliff. So reasons are always mixed. You know, in football, it's never one thing. It's normally two, three, four or five. But there's always big components. And it's talking about what Cavani said in his comments. What do we actually know about that? We know that last season, Cavani was being given offers from South America. And he was very keen to go back to his farm in Uruguay. He's talked about this extensively. It's all out there for people to go and read. And he wants to go and live that lifestyle. He's got a farm there that he loves. And he wanted to kind of be based back in South America because he hasn't been for such a long time. And those opportunities were on the table for him. And Man United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer specifically banged on his door and said, no, we want you to stay because we believe you can help us. We believe you can still be the central point of our attack. And he'd had a good season, didn't he? You know, he'd had a few knocks, mm-hmm. but you looked at him and you felt Cavani with Greenwood and Rashford adding in there and Martial adding goals. That's a good front four. What happened? Ronaldo came up, Man United ripped up all the plans at board level, threw them in the air and said to the manager, you're getting Ronaldo. Now, most managers won't say no to Ronaldo, but Cavani's comments show there how slapdash it is, and how players themselves need to be assured about what they do. Because had Cavani known that Man United were going to sign Ronaldo, he'd have been off to Boca Juniors. He'd have been gone, or he'd have been going to play for a team in Brazil or Uruguay, where he could have been at home. So for him, I think the last year, you know, you can debate whether how injured he's been and how available he's been. He started six games for Man United in the Premier League, which is woeful. But did it, has he really had his heart in it? If I was him, I'd have probably gone, nah, I'm going to pay me the money because I'm on big money, but I'm not going to put my body on the line here. And have we not seen that, Scott, from so many Manchester United players this season? So very indicative of how Ed Woodward ran, ran the shop the last 12 months, but also much longer than that. And it's kind of a little bit sad, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you when you were speaking about last season, just then with the options that United had, I think, you could see in Cavani's performances, he would, you know, he'd rotate in here and there, come on as a sub here and there. But he would offer an intelligence and a movement that none of the other strikers had. And the, there was a, a time where Cavani was this great, wise old man, kind of teaching all the, the younger lads, like, the instincts of how to finish and score goals from in the penalty box, because that's a criticism that Oli had of Rashford and Martial. Yeah for a long time uh, that they always want to score the perfect goal and not they don't get enough tap-ins and that kind of thing. And that was what Cavani was brought in to do to kind of bring them on a bit. And we know that, obviously, Ronaldo bring, being brought in has probably meant that Cavani gets less playing time 
well, it certainly has. It certainly has. And when they play together, you've got a combined range of what seventy odd, thirty-seven, and thirty-four, thirty-five. So it's it's not the it's not the best look, really. But yeah, I, I agree with you. This it, why would we've obviously seen Cavani hasn't really played that much this season, and Ralph has kind of pointed the finger at him a little bit and put it in his court, saying, "Well, he's not ready to play. He's not ready to play." And people have seen through it a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, it's the problem that a lot of players have had. And Ollie was a big part in convincing someone like Jesse Lingard to stay for another year as well. Mm-hmm. So it's all kind of blown up in their face. A it's the same thing with a number of players, isn't it? It's the same factors that have affected them. Why Eric Bailly too. Eric Bailly signed a contract. <laughs> like it's like why? You know what? You know what? Why did? Why was it offered? And why did he even sign it? And I think there's a lot of players in that flux at Man United who feel that who go. Well, I got promised things, Dean Henderson, you know, giving mm. me a huge wage and telling me that I shouldn't go anywhere. But Dean, you're going to go and collect the footballs for David before the game. That's what your job is at Man United. So dysfunction and feeling disaffected, there are actual reasons for it. It's not just players kind of throwing their dummy out the pram. They were promised things and it didn't happen. And that was part of the change of the guard with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But I think with Cavani, you know, we said there about, him playing last season now this year last year Cavani ran his socks off and worked really well with Bruno Fernandes this year Bruno Fernandes has fallen off the cliff as well in terms of his performances and he hasn't blended well with Ronaldo now I don't know if you saw Scott at the end he came on didn't he for the last game at home Cavani and it was a jog 15-20 minute jog and it wasn't Cavani because he's thinking I'm not doing anything here. I'll come out for 20 minutes and wave to people. And again, you know, kiss the kiss babies in the crowd and like all of that stuff. Nice. But it wasn't him, was it? 20 minutes. It wasn't that all energy performance because he's thinking, well, what am I doing here? And I think there's a lot of United players who are a bit like that. Yeah. Eric Ten Hag will have a job on his hands to, you know, get the mentality right. There'll have to be a lot of players leaving. And I suppose he'll have an easy-ish job knowing that six, first team players including Lee Grant are out of contract and will probably end up leaving the club so that's half the job done for him but uh, we'll transition now into some more discussion we've already mentioned uh, Eric Bailly uh, and Jesse Lingard but we'll we'll put them all into a different section here maybe we can do each one as it comes but uh, Jesse Lingard reports earlier this week from pretty much everywhere at the same time all of the kind of United mob uh, reporting that Lingard had effectively said that uh, there's no point in Eric Ten Hag trying to convince him to sign a new deal because he'd made his mind up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure whether that was that coming out was even the best kind of thing for Lingard because of, you know, how he reacted to not being brought on, how his camp reacted to not being brought on for a final goodbye when he hasn't really performed all season. But there's two two sides to the coin, isn't there? You know? Yeah, he he was ready to go in the January transfer window. The deal to Newcastle was done. Um, We we've kind of were at the time surprised the trigger wasn't pulled because Man United wanted to kind of get it done as well. But of course, everything changed around Mason Greenwood, so that was the reason they kept him because they just needed to make sure that those forward numbers were filled out. But you know, was it worth it? You know, it's weird, isn't it? Like we kept Jesse Lingard because he's supposed to be able to help you. And then we let Anthony Martial go because he doesn't help you. But yet, positionally, 
he would have done. So it's it's a strange flux again, like I just said. And this is where we have to challenge the board because they've made these choices, Scott. You know, so this is a Woodward decision and a board decision. And I think the bigger job now is for Richard Arnold to regain trust with a lot of those guys. I think Ten Hag will come in, chat the back ears off some of these players, and they'll love it. They'll be like, yeah, I want to play for you. You're a good coach. You're a good man manager. You've got tactics. It's the board that needs to convince some of these employees that staying at Manchester United is best for their careers. Yeah, uh, obviously we did a bit on Lingard the other day as well, but we'll we'll look at Eric Bailly and Phil Jones. There was a report uh, from the last few days mm-hmm. about each of them, both centre-halves obviously, but really not getting a look in at all uh, with no. Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof and Rafa Varane ahead of them in the pecking order. And... Bayern Jones are both have, both have said to have been telling teammates of their plans to leave United at the end of the season, regardless of the manager as well. So, is this playing into Ten Hag's hands in a sense? Partly, but I also think that this is this is how it's going to go. This is how Ten Hag actually wants it. You know, he wants to be able to get a core together or players that he wants to speak to and challenge. You know, he wants to put the challenge out there to his existing squad and to new players. The Eric buys of this world, you know, I again, I will say it. If someone can help you, great, keep them, give them a contract. If they can't help you, get rid. So United are at this crossroads now. Eric Bailly, I think, has some justification for feeling not great about playing. Like we just said there, a number of players promised stuff. Uh, under Oligon Solskjaer, he would have played more games. But is he good enough? Like we watched Chris Smalling last night, you know, doing the do for Roma and for Jose Mourinho. And have we really moved on since Chris Smalling? You know, does Baye tick that box? Does Lindelof tick that box? Does Harry Maguire tick that box? Well, no. And I think this is part of the problem, isn't it? It's now finding players that do tick those boxes and help you push on. Eric Baye, you know, and a number of them. I, I put Jesse in that as well. Juan Mata, um, Matic, all these players who are what we would call fringe players, but experienced they don't really help you, do they, Scott? Week in, week out, you can't pick them because they're all a little bit too mid-table. They're all a little bit too Europa League. <laughs> well, that's uh, where United will belong next season. But exactly, and that's the um, problem. Eric Bailly is contracted still until 2024. Remember when Phil Jones signed that contract as well? Yeah. It won't, was it start of 2019, I want to say? I think, I think it was like January 2019. And everyone reacted like, wow, why? Yeah. And they're still lugged with him for another year on top of this one. There's an option for a further year in that contract as well. But uh, I think Ed, it's been kind of pinned on Ed Woodward and Matt Judge over the last few days. It was known already, but it's been pinned on them for extending the contracts of players to preserve their value when yeah. all it's done in the end is just lug United with wages for so much longer than they should have. Totally. And it's it's completely the wrong strategy. So you've kept all these fringe players on big wages that can't help you. However, then you're kind of, you look at someone like Paul Pogba, who can walk away from the football club now for free, who actually has value. And Man United are going to make zero out of him. That's bad strategy. Uh, you just mentioned Judge there as well. Judge is known as a really good negotiator in the game. Well respected. I think he's well respected because he kind of gives agents what they want. So agents mm-hmm. do like him. So that's a good negotiating tactic. Give you what you want and come and sign. And it's like, great. Patrice Evra famously said though one time that he had a call from a, a, a an official at a big European club. I can't remember whether it was Premier yeah. League or a big European club. 
telling him to tell Matt Judge to pick up his phone. Yeah, because Matt Judge kind of does what Matt Judge wants to do. Um, so, but that's Man United in again in a nutshell, isn't it? A bit of arrogance at the very, very top and thinking that, yeah, we'll just give everyone big wages and, and it will sort itself out. We'll get a coach, we'll do it and that's that. It's not how you build squads. So all these players we're talking about, they'll be on their way out. You just mentioned Phil Jones. Ironically, out of all of this bunch, he might be one that I do keep just to kind of fill the numbers because I think Phil Jones, when he comes on a football pitch, at least looks at the Man United badge and understands what's it what it means. So he might not be elite level, but it wouldn't surprise me again if Phil Jones goes to a, a mid-table club in the Premier League and people in a year's time are going, oh, he's actually still a really good player. It's just that he had all these injuries and it's a problem. So uh, out of all of them, I think he's got at least the right attitude, but obviously no solution to any problems that Man United truly have. Yeah, I think Fulham were linked with him. I think be Fulham great at Fulham. In... Like if, he's, if he has a fit yeah. season, he'll be at Fulham. He'll do really well. And do you know what? He'll be back in the England squad. People will be like, oh my God, Phil Jones can play multiple positions and he's he's a hard man and he, you know, he's got decent ball skills. He can do stuff. He can play right back, he can play centre back, play defensive midfield. He can do all sorts of stuff, but it's just that bits of his body fall off every three or four months. And that's a huge problem in football when you need to keep players fit. Yeah, uh, we've there's just another name I'll throw at you, Rob. Uh, we've said in previous shows that get rid of all the fullbacks. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is in the news yep. uh, quite frequently of late. Yeah. Has been overlooked mainly by Ralph Rannick in favour of Diogo Dallo, who we kind of admit, kind of said, like, isn't really the answer long term. Mm-hmm. Must have put it nicely. Uh, Wan-Bissaka has been linked with a return to Crystal Palace. Uh mm-hmm. Although there's suggestions that he might look to stay, and it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag at the moment. What do you what do you think will end up happening with him? Because you're not not making their fifty million back on him. Would you kind of take the hit? Would you loan him out and see how it develops? Or what's the answer here? A lot of this is going to come down to how Man United's transfer strategy pans out because they're going to need to recoup some money to go and reinvest it. Now they'll have the coffers, they'll have what they have from their profits. And this is going to be linked to that with terms of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Um, first of all, is he good enough? I think in two years, what we've seen from Aaron, and I was very excited by his signing. You know, I'd seen him a lot at Palace. I felt it was a lot of upside. It looked like he would become a contender for being England fullback. And for him, what I think we're seeing two things in negatives, and that is that he's technically not great and his confidence goes up and down. So when he's not playing well, you can see it in his face. You can see he's just not there. But this is a problem at Man United. Is it, was it the problem with the setup or is it a problem with individual players? So you're not going to get anything like 50 million for him. And it depends who you bring in, isn't it? Like if you bring Ethan Laird in and he hits the ground running, great. But Ethan Laird can't get the team at Bournemouth. So you, you've got to be realistic about a lot of this stuff. I, I kind of feel sorry for Aaron, but I also know that off the pitch, he's had stuff going on, which is, again, very well documented. Um, obviously had a court case very recently. I think that's definitely affected his form this season. Um, but overall, do you kind of do, do you cut your losses on every play? You can't do that, Scott. You can't look at the whole Man United squad and just go, well, we bought you for 50, but we'll take 20 for you. Hey, Harry Maguire, we paid 80 for you. Yeah, we'll just give you away for 30 or 40 to whoever wants you. You can't really do it like that. Even 40. You, 
but it's a case by case situation. Exactly. Even for like <laughs> Scott's wheeling and dealing on our podcast inflation. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll take Aaron Wamasaki, 18 million. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. You know, but it's what you want to go and get as well, isn't it? So you've got, you know, there's players that you want in that position, then it would make sense to move them on if you can. But at the same time, would Aaron Wamasaka improve under Eric Ten Hag? There's always that possibility. So we have to kind of let the jury be out on those things and allow Ten Hag to make those choices. Because he might look at uh, Wamasaka and go, no, your physicality is something I can use in my counter-press. And you're not going to play in a flat back four. You're not going to look after Victor Lindelof inside. You are going to play higher up the pitch. But you're not going to cross the ball either. You're going to give the ball someone inside and play Mm -hmm. differently. So you're not got this you know, thing on your back all the time saying, well, you can't cross a ball. Well, you mitigate those things, don't you? You find a way. So that's what we need from the new coach. And maybe, maybe there's a tiny chance of a future for Aaron Wamasaka at Manchester United. Do you give Eric Ten Hag a complete clean slate, even though these players have, you know, this season has just been awful, like all round awful. Uh, Very, very few positives to take, if, if any. Uh, like, if you look at a player now, would you kind of clean slate, Eric Ten, on Aaron Wan-Bissaka's case, clean slate, let's see what Ten Hag can do with him if he decides that he can do, if, if he decides that he thinks he can use him. And I look at, I bring somebody like Steven Bergvine into this from Spurs as well in terms of new signings. I don't think that is going to convince anyone really that it's, it's not a signing that I would want or you would want. You're shaking your no. head. But if he did end up arriving, because Ten Hag thinks he can use him, do we have to give him the benefit of the doubt? Well, we'd have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think there's there's two ways of looking at this. Manchester United have done this before, this cycle with managers. So this was the cycle that really Mourinho was given. Mourinho was told, you've got a decent squad. Uh, Van Gaal did some really good stuff behind the scenes. Now can you take it, move it forward? But hey... Here's Ibrahimovic, here's Pogba, here's Mkhitaryan, here's Baye. You know, he did that. Here's Lindelof. You've got players in to supplement that. There'll be a bit of that, but but Ten Hag has absolutely made it clear to the Man United board that he's not going to do it like that. He will make the choices. So it's not a case of give me a clean slate. It is, this is my slate. I own it. So if there's players I want to keep, I will keep them. But he's been pretty, I would say, aggressive showing his teeth to the United board about how he wants to do this project. And this is why the scouting network's being absolutely ripped out. This is why people are leaving the club. This is why Judge has been shown the door, because this is a new way of doing things. Every player, Scott, can prove themselves on a training pitch. And if you do that, you will play games. And this is why in the last two, three years, when people talk about the fringe players, about why is that player not got a chance? Why did Donny van der Beek not get a chance? We know 100% Donny van der Beek ain't doing it on a training pitch. Like, we're told that. We know that. So fans have blue sky theories on these things. But ultimately, the coach is responsible. So any player that does it, if Aaron can do it for him, any player has got the opportunity to. That's why I say someone like Martial might come back and he might look at Martial and go, "Hmm, my system, you fit my system because I'm going to make you do this, this and this now because you haven't done that before. But then, of course, there's players that might just look at it and say, like Jesse Lingard, I'm off. I want to get paid. Newcastle will be a good job and it's going to be fun there. We do look at this squad of players. Uh, we'll move on to the Brighton preview in a second. Uh, just look ahead to that. We do look at these players and obviously criticise the attitude not being right, but that's that's obvious for everyone. But it's also worth remembering as well that 
there was a time when Ollie was in charge that, you know, we kind of, even the, the fans who could, who were really pro Ollie could probably say that he wasn't the best coach in terms of improving players and getting the best out of them like somebody at Liverpool or Manchester City would do when they're in charge of them. So there's a lot of upside in a lot of these players, isn't there? If, if the attitude thing is sorted out. It's like we just mentioned Phil Jones. Though. Phil Jones goes to Fulham. He might have a really good time at Fulham. You know, Jesse Lingard might go to Newcastle and be the centrepiece of a midfield pushing for top four next year. Like it could, could happen. Could happen. You know, it, these things might happen. And what happens is that these, like, this is why I mentioned Chris Smalling, because Chris Smalling's not the answer to Man United's problems. But Chris Smalling's playing in a European semi final and is now in a final with a former Man United manager. We criticised him, by the way, as well. With a, exactly. With, with, a former, with, with a former Man United midfielder in there, in Mkhitaryan, and a, and, uh, and a former Chelsea striker that no Chelsea fan wanted. So this is a kind of, you know, players can be reborn in different scenarios. But the best thing, Scott, would be to get them to do it at your club because that you've paid the money to them. You want to be able to get some upside from them. So uh, it's a wait and see. And I do think with Ten Hag is that he doesn't suffer fools gladly. Any of these players that really you know, have, don't have Man United in their heart and do not want to play for the badge and do not want to play for him, they are gone. And I feel good about that as a fan, at least, because I feel that my manager will have those same ethics that I think the fan base wants to see as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's look ahead to the Brighton game uh, just briefly. UK time, 5.30 Saturday evening at the Amex. Brighton have given United some problems. <laughs> was, it, was it last season where United scored a penalty after full time? I think it was when the early last yeah. season yeah. Uh, to win the game. Uh, and <laughs> Funny one, but uh, United can... Let me look at the table. United can really take a step into solidifying sixth place. Oh, they've only got two games left, not three. Uh, wow. Uh, this is this game now, and then there's a there's about two weeks off for United then. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But what are you expecting from this weekend, uh, Rob? Will United magically turn up and, and win this game? Or what do we think? Mm, they might Brighton, win it. Brighton are ninth. They might, they might win it. And I think Brighton have had a very up and down season to start the season really, really well. And then they just had a point where they didn't win a game for about 12 matches or something crazy. A uh, big advocate of their manager. I think that he's done an incredible job there. Uh, and, and also just in, just always improving his own reputation in, in the game. You know, I think Potter's one of those managers that will get a chance one day at a big club. Maybe someone like Manchester United in particular, um, but not quite at the moment. But you go there, don't you? Brighton play cohesive, good, fluid football in a system that works really well. 3-4-3, three, 3-5-2. Three, three, and no stars, they just play with each other like a team, like they enjoy it. And Man United are the opposite. So what are we going to see? United could easily win this simply because they've got the talent. But is there a real motivation that United really want to solidify fifth? I don't feel that. I don't think the fans feel that. I don't think the players do. I think they're all looking forward to their holidays. I can see a lot of them on the internet going, hmm, you know, uh, seven-star hotel in Mauritius on this date, because that's the day the season finishes and I'm off. So I think that's going to happen more. I think they're more excited by those things than they are about a trip to the South Coast. 
Yeah, I'm looking at West Ham's fixtures. They play Norwich, uh, Man City, and they have a trip to Brighton yeah. on the final day. I'd love Ralph to go full rogue. I'd love to him just start picking kids. I'd really love that, but it's not going to happen because I think he himself is a pragmatist. And and he's kind of said that about the kids. He's gone, they're really good. They're nearly ready. But I don't want to be the one that kind of pushes them off a cliff when things are not doing, when you know, when the team isn't playing well. Um, but you know, I'd love to see Hannibal, Garnacho. I'd love to see all of them, just play them all. And tell these pros that no longer want to be at Man United that they can leave the football club and that we do not need them and we will rebuild. Might be a shout as well that there's a there's a youth cup final approaching, so that might even take Absolutely. that might be even be more important. It is <laughs> more important. Players. No, there's look look Manchester United have been pushing this now. It's going to be a sellout. Fifty thousand tickets were immediately sold like that for a youth game, which is incredible. So it will be a, it will be a packed house there. One pound a ticket. So I do believe there's still tickets available. So if you can go to the match, then by all means, get in contact with the football club. They are still on sale at the moment. But it would be great, wouldn't it, the way to end the season that these young lads who have definitely got talent and definitely got potential, that they win the Youth Cup. They follow in the traditions of great Man United youth teams of the past because we've not been very good at it for a decade, Scott. And we've now got players that I think you could say next year to Eric Ten Hag, one, two, three, four, five, they're useful. You might be able to take them 17, 18 and 19 years old and turn them into real players. We missed out on the likes of Angel Gomez, all of that kind of level there. Taz Chong did well at the start and then fell away. That group of players, you know, Axel Two and Zabi included, never made the jump. But I don't think United helped them. Really don't think United pushed them on. Special, uh, special Angel Gomez, who, who was... England captain at youth level and had done really well. Won, won the Youth World Cup, didn't he, as captain yeah. for, for England and never, ever got a sniff. So, you know, some of these times these players are not as good as they seem, but you've got to give them a chance, haven't you? And I would love Eric Ten Hag to do that. And I would love Ralph Randick to do that at Brighton. Do you think, Ralph, uh, just before we wind up, Rob, today, and plus if there's anything you want to say, at the end we'll, we'll go there, but do you think Ralph will stick with the team that won the last game Probably. Probably Tellez, probably Delo, probably everything that we've been talking about. Because I don't really know if he feels that he can do anything different. And this yeah. is the problem, is that we've seen him go from full-on Gagan pressing on day one and minute one to now, at the end of the season, the end of his time at Man United, to just basically let them do what they want. You know, and that's why they won against Brentford. That's why they were happy against Brentford, Scott. Because it was just like, do what you want, Bruno. Go play wherever you want. And I think the manager, some people can put it on his shoulders and say that's on you. You should have fixed these things over time. But he never really had the chance. And I think that he'll just pick the normal Not senior the power, team. to be honest. Either. Not the power. And also, I think the dressing room, we, we know, is that, that there are issues in the dressing room, which might not be obvious, but there's a deconstruction there and that needs to be fixed. So I think when Ten Hag comes in, that will be the first job is to kind of have a dressing room of at least... 10 senior pros that can take your club forward and build around them. Maybe then adding another five or six, getting rid of maybe 10 fringe players. You can do it. You can do it quite quickly. But this is something for Ralph Ranick that I don't think you can do. And I feel sorry for Ralph because this is not a Ralph Ranick team. Like, this is not. This is a, some ghost side that he's been asked to take care of. And, yeah, he might be able to help in years to come, you know, in terms of a consultancy role. But he was never, ever really going to help as a manager that succeeded a manager like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, completely chalk and cheese when you think about philosophies of the two coaches. 
Well, if we have our optimistic hats on and cross our fingers, Rob, we'll hopefully see the fruits of the labour from the Ralph Rannick era in charge within the next couple of years. Yeah, I'd like to think that if the club do change direction now, and we believe that they will, that if Ten Hag is successful at Manchester United, have some kind of successful rebuild, we will look back at Ralph's involvement and believe that Ralph helped that. I've heard a few United commentators and journalists say in the last few days, you know, you know, so long, Ralph. I'm glad you're off. You know, you know, go to Austria and, oh, and ha have a nice life. But I really do think that, that that passes the buck, doesn't it, from the board, who are the real problem at Man United, and the, some of the fringe players and some of the players who, who you want to carry the club as leaders, and placing it in the lap of a guy who's been at the club six months who can never, ever really do anything. You know, if these players would run, Scott, and they could actually do it on a football pitch, I think Man United cruise to fourth. If they work hard, they cruise to fourth, and we're not even doing these podcasts. We're just saying Brighton, formality, you know, you're already 10 points clear. Oh, you're ahead of Chelsea, you're third, and that's a good end to the season, but not where you want to be. You're not winning a title. So we shall see going forward, and I think for Ten Hag, we've got to give him that time now. We've got to give him that chance to come in and maybe take what Ralph says and turn it into reality. Yes, indeed. Uh, Rob, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? No, no final thoughts. I won't be buying the kit. I'm sure many of you will. We'll talk about the kit in 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 weeks to come. Um, but hopefully it will symbolise a change for Manchester United because I think that's where we are at the moment. We're kind of at this crossroads. Uh, the Brighton game doesn't really matter, does it? We'll all watch it. We'll all want to win. Would not surprise me if we see the freewheeling Reds again, Scott, and they go out there and hammer Brighton and go, look, we're still a good bunch of players. And maybe one or two of them will be putting themselves in the shop window. Yes, uh, to join you, I will not be buying the kit. I have not bought a kit, a United kit, since I was trying to work it out just now as I was thinking about what I was going to say. Since, I think, 11-12. I think that was the last kit I had. I think. In the Nike days, the Nike yeah. years. Uh, it was. It, I remember it was the kit with uh, the season the United lost 6-1 to City. Uh, so oh, fond was, memories, fond memories. That, I think it was that year. I don't know whether I'm getting my years mixed up, but yes, uh, I will not be buying that one because I don't a I don't like it, and b I don't really buy United kits. So, yep, we'll see if you do catch me in one. Uh, it'd be for other purposes. Uh, but yes, in the next few weeks, we'll wrap up this show. We'll wrap up the season. Uh, we'll see how United finish. Looks like they'll end up coming sixth, but you never know with this lot. Uh, so. <laughs> We'll wait and see how they perform at Brighton. There's then a two-week-ish gap, I think just over two weeks until the final game, where the likes of Leicester City will have played five games in that time or four games in that time because they've three, they played three games less than United at the moment. So there's a lot of catching up for other teams to do. Uh, but yes, uh, United are close to the end of the season and then we can look ahead to a new era. Thank you for today, Rob. A reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., and now you can watch us twice a week on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll catch you next week as we reflect on the Brighton result and anything that crops up in between. Thanks very much. See you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.